Socks and underwear. Now, you might think that's an unusual Christmas sermon title. Well, it kind of is, right? As I've gotten older, I've come to the realization that I need socks and underwear. But it's a subtitle that really hits home for us. It's what nobody wants, but everybody needs. Today, Pastor Matthew begins our Christmas series talking about the best gift ever. Join us. Church, it is so good to be in the house this morning. It is. I love worshiping with you guys. It is packed in here. I love it. Yeah, you guys who clapped, you can clap. That's good. Isn't it fun when God's people show up together to worship? And uh, hey, listen, we're in week one of our Christmas series entitled Socks and Underwear. Socks and Underwear. Socks and Underwear, again, is the title of the series. And we're going to look at the story of Christmas through this lens, through this bigger concept, again, of socks and underwear. Here's the deal. Uh, And this is probably more true for kids than it is adults. Let's just be real. Uh, But I think um, every year at Christmas, people receive gifts that they're not excited about receiving but need. Are you with me? Socks and underwear. You guys get it? Socks and underwear. Um, As a kid... There was a lot of things that I felt like in my, in my life I just absolutely needed. I grew up on a farm uh, in North Carolina, a couple thousand acres of my grandfather's farm, and, and uh, my cousins all lived on the farm, and, so, and they were older than me. And so what it looked like as a kid, um, they always had like the cool gifts first, you know what I mean? And then either I got hand-me-downs or they would break them, and then I would beg my family for the same gifts that they had that they would let me play with every once in a while. I mean, when I was a kid, the first gift I remember uh, just wanting was a go-kart, and I got a go-kart. And then the second gift that I was like, I gotta have this, or I'm gonna like, not, I mean, I'm gonna be the laughing stock of my school. You know what I mean? And that was a Honda XR80 motorcycle. Anybody remember those? And um, I mean, we had a lot of land, and so my cousins would just ride all through, and, 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 I, and I just daydreamed, right, about not only getting to ride with my cousins, but for me, and, and maybe this will date me a little bit, but I, I really wanted to have something that I could like create a ramp and line my two Dobermans, Magnum and Higgins up, and, and I could just, you know, jump them, and then I, like Evil Knievel, anybody, Evil Knievel? And I told my family, my mom and dad, I said, listen, I, I don't know who knows Santa here, but this is what I know is that this year for Christmas, tell Santa, don't get me anything except a Honda XR80. And that year for Christmas, um, I got a Nintendo, okay? <laughs> um, word didn't get to Santa. You hear what I'm saying? Um, I did get, along with the Nintendo, what they said was good, I, I, you know, I have, I'm still up in the air about it, was a game called Excite Bike. Anybody remember Excite Bike? And, you know, the Nintendo was that game, you know, you had the, you had the cartridge and half the time it didn't work, so you'd pull it out and you'd blow in it, it hit it, and, and maybe eventually you could get it to work after you spent some, you know, blew the Holy Spirit on it a little bit. I, I don't know, but it, it needed that to, to get going. And, uh, but I got excited bike and, uh, you know, I don't want you to think I didn't get good gifts as a kid. I did. And, um, but he, here's what I, I do know is that, um, I didn't always get what I wanted. I didn't always get what I wanted. Matter of fact, I could pretty much count, uh, on my aunt and uncle to get me something I never wanted, but I always needed. Uh, my uncle Larry, he thought it was, 
I, I don't know why he thought he should do this, but every year at Christmas, he would give me white tube socks. And uh, I just, I never wore them. I, that would go into the Dirty Santa pile. You know what I mean? Like this is what we're going to take for Dirty Santa. And my Aunt Anne would get me underwear. And I always thought that was so weird because why would she get me something that she should never see on me? You know what I mean? And so uh, <laughs> evidently though, my parents thought I needed it. And so they would get me, listen to me, not what I necessarily wanted, but what I needed. Not what I wanted, but what I needed. How many of you understand that what you need isn't always what you want? <laughs> um, and yet, even though I knew there were going to be many gifts every Christmas that I didn't necessarily want, but that I would get, um, I, I don't know if this is true for you guys, but I would love, about this time every year, I would go to my grandparents' house and they would have two books that I just, it was, this, it was the Sears and Roebuck and the Service Merchandise Christmas Catalogs. Anybody else? Did you guys have those? And, um, and man, I would, I would, so like all the cousins, we had, all, we had our different color, you know what I mean? And so I would take my color, and I don't have, and it was always different every year. And I would circle what it was that I was really prayerful and hopeful that they would see so they would get me what I wanted. Um, Christmas time, listen to me, we all have things that we want. And then we all have things that we actually get. You know what I think is interesting? The first Christmas is essentially a story about God giving the world a gift that some people wanted, but let's just be honest and be real, but most people didn't. Um, one of the first scriptures that talks about um, this is in, about God's gift to us is probably the first Scripture that you ever memorized as well as myself. And it's John 3, 16, right? Do you remember this, how it goes? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son as a gift, right? And, and those who uh, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. And so here's what you need to see is God in his love for us gave us the gift of his son. And every single year we come to celebrate the birth of his son, Jesus, at Christmas time. But also every single year I realize that even though this Christmas I need Jesus all over again, there's many people that don't want him anymore. The title of today's message is The Best Gift. And the theme that we're going to build on, not only in this series and not only today, but, but really for a while, is this. is Jesus may not be the gift you want, but he is the gift you need. When you think about Christmas this year, I didn't ask the last two services, but what, I wonder what you want for Christmas um, I, I got a lot of things I want, just be real. Um, but what is it that I need? And it's okay to want things, but we don't need to move past what we need despite our wants. Jesus may not be the gift you want this year, but listen to me very carefully. He is the gift you need. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dig in to our time together. Lord Jesus, we love you. I just pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would move. And uh, Lord, you've already moved in the last two services. Lord, we thank you for the baptisms that we got to experience and see. And God, I, I'm anticipating and expecting you to move in this time. And, and God, may we not miss your moving. May we not miss you. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you come? 
And God, would you speak through me? And God, I'm just reminded right now that it's not known truth that changes us, but applied truth. And so God, would we not just learn information, but would we experience transformation as not only we hear your word, but apply it in our lives. Lord, we raise you up. Holy Spirit, we raise you up. Now draw us to you in Jesus' name, amen. We are going to be in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 today. So if you want to go ahead and open in your Bibles or your, even your electronic Bible equivalent, right, to Luke chapter, that's your phone, by the way, or iPad, if you got that, um, and look up Luke chapter 1. I will kind of give us some context of what is taking place so that we can, as we get into Luke, that we can have a little bit greater understanding and understand what Luke's trying to do. Luke is a doctor writing to a friend, Theophilus. We could call him Theo because he wants his friend to know the truth about Jesus. If you take time to go back and literally just read the, the gospel of Luke, you will see that there's a lot of detail about the life, death, resurrection, even birth of Jesus because Luke was convinced that if we're going to understand the fullness of the gospel, we have to understand the fullness of Jesus. Okay, if you don't know Jesus, then you can't ever understand the gospel. And so Luke is writing because he wants Theophilus to have as much information as possible about Jesus. Now, when Luke begins his gospel, he's writing, he says, and he even mentions to Theophilus that there's two other accounts that he could even look to. Most people realize uh, that Matthew and Mark were written before Luke. And so again, Luke is writing to say, hey, Theo, listen, I'm writing to you this exhaustive account, but don't forget that there's two other books out there that's a biography of Jesus. In other words, don't just read this, read as much as you can about Jesus and read as much as you can about Jesus because Luke didn't want Theophilus to stay confused about who the son of God is. Because sometimes, dare I say many times, we can get confused about what God is doing and miss what God is doing. And Luke didn't want Theophilus to miss Jesus. Because if you miss Jesus, you miss it all. And in Luke, he even writes, he says, this is a, and I, he goes, I personally have investigated everything carefully, and this is an orderly account. So Luke is writing because he wants Theophilus to know everything as much as possible so he can be as much informed about Jesus and the gospel as possible. And Luke begins his gospel talking about the family of Jesus and in particular, Elizabeth and Zechariah and the pregnancy with uh, John. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but here's what I am going to say. Immediately following the end of the Old Testament, there's about 400 years, most of you know this, of what we can call divine silence as the world awaited the fulfillment of the prophecy of the gift of a savior. Are you with me? So there's about 400 years in there that the people are thinking uh, any day now, God is going to send us a savior. And, and yet for 400 years, there was silence. And then what I think is interesting about this is that over those 400 years of silence, almost like every generation after generation after generation fell more and more and more out of their close relationship with the Lord. And here's what I can just say to us. If you're not careful, you can let what you think is God's silence to draw a wedge between you and your relationship with God. Just because God is not speaking currently doesn't mean he's not working. Okay? And what we see in as Luke is writing, is that there was 400 years of silence. 
And yet, in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, we see that in the midst of this 400 years of silence, in the midst of all these people losing their relationship with Jesus and the God, listen, there's a small, faithful remnant who kept the faith. Matter of fact, we see that there, again, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, this is what we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Out of this small remnant of God's people, God moved on their behalf. And maybe you're thinking, what am I going to get out of Christmas this year? I mean, most of us, right? I mean, uh, we've heard the story of Jesus. We've read these accounts of Jesus many, many times. We've heard them. We've read them. We've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas. We've seen it all, right? And what are we going to get this year out of the same text that we've always read? And maybe that's what you're thinking this year. And I just want to say this to you. And maybe what the reason that you're here today, maybe the reason you're listening online is because you needed to know that God doesn't just move for the mass. He, he moves for the faithful few. And maybe in your life, you're thinking, well, I don't got a lot of people around me that's holding on to the faith. God doesn't move on the mass. He moves on the faithful few. I wrote this down in your notes. Your circle of friends may be lost in sin, but if you will stay the course and be a small, faithful remnant, you can trust God will move in your life. Um, we see just how much he moved in in the next part, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, ending in verse 38, we read about the story of Jesus and how Jesus was born. We're going to read a lot of text right here, but we're going to stop and talk about it as we go. Um, this is what we read. Again, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, if you have it in your Bibles, this is what we read. Um, Luke writes, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who's uh, going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And some of you need to circle verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the scripture says the angel left her. You know, at first glance, this can seem like a beautiful story to those of us who've heard it. We see the big picture. We've heard it years and years and years and over and over and over and over. We, uh, we probably read it. We'll probably read it with our family this Christmas. And we, we've read it. We've seen. We've understood. I mean, most of us have been to church for a really long time. And we've seen the big picture of how it all lays out and plays out. And, and so it, this sounds like a sweet story of how God came and interacted with Mary. And all of a sudden how Jesus came to be. But I want you to hear me say this. This is how we hear it. But that's not how they would have heard it then. Because we hear it in the context of church. They heard it in the, in the context of the local church town gossip. Are you with me? We need to understand how they heard it then so we can understand how we should read it now. I wrote this. It's in your notes. Uh, 
The word of God isn't really God's word if it's understood out of context. And you need to know that, not only for what we're about to read, but for just any scripture in general. You can take any scripture and almost make it to mean anything, but that doesn't mean it means that if it's out of context. And so we need to look at God's word. What is God saying to us? And how can we understand it through the lens of the people then? And so I began to do some research on what in the world was happening in that day. And I thought this was interesting. Um, a very conservative evangelical, right? Uh, Protestant evangelical at that. He, he wrote this. This is what it was sounded like and what it would have been like for the people in that day. He, he said this. It would have sounded like this. Jesus was born in that dumpy rural hick town called Nazareth. Not unlike those today where guys change their own oil, think pro wrestling is real, find women who chew tobacco sexy and eat a lot of Hot Pockets. On top of that, Jesus had a poor, unwed teenage mom who said she got pregnant via some guy named Holy Spirit. And you got to remember that because look, up until that point, no one had ever heard of the Holy Spirit. And so when Mary was like, hey, I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, everybody's like, who? Did you meet him in high school? Um. We have to understand to the people of Jesus' day, listen, here, just to push this further, Nazareth was the most underrated, most redneck town ever. I mean, Nazareth isn't mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament, and it's not mentioned in any other significant historical text either. Despite the fact that Jesus was born from a town with no significance, he was born in a place with even less significance in a manger and a stable in Bethlehem. And just to make, put some like practical application for us, maybe you're thinking, you know what? I too feel like I've been born in a place of no significance. Now, I'm not going to begin to share the, the little towns around here that I think have little significance. <laughs> I got some in the back of my mind. I'll tell you privately. After I figure out where you're from. Uh, so I don't say that town. Uh, but here's what I need you to know. Just because you're a place from little significance or maybe you think you are, God can still do big things through you if you'll give your life to him. Um, God will still move even though, in a big way, even though you think of yourself as little. Um, as we continue reading in Luke's gospel in Luke chapter two, beginning in verse one, we see in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, they came for the baby. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and place them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And again, we look at this and we say, man, isn't that so cute? And we have like, you know, even for my kids, my, we have five kids, my wife and I, it ranges from 11 to, to twins that are four. And we've got all these picture books, right? And we, we see how cute it is and how the story unfolds. And, and yet how we see it as church folk is very different than how they would experience it then. I mean, for most people, they would have said, man, Jesus, this is God's son. I mean, he was born to a family with a whole lot of drama, wasn't he? Uh, first of all, I mean, his mama is an unwed teenage girl. 
Secondly, the dude is going to act like Jesus' dad, Joseph, and unless he changed his name to Holy Spirit. I mean, he made Mary ride 109 miles on the back of a donkey pregnant. So if you, ain't think she, if you don't think she's hot and mad by the time she got there, then I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I can just ride around the house on a horse and be, just give out. You hear what I'm saying? And so, I mean, imagine 109 miles. And then when they got there, I mean, they didn't get separate rooms at the stable. They shacked up. I mean, this is, do you see how we might have misread it? (laughs) They shacked up. No wonder, listen to me very carefully, no wonder so many people were confused. Because how they expected Jesus, the Savior, the King of the world to come, looked very different than how he came. Um, For thousands of years, they heard, listen, that God was going to come in the form of, essentially like this majestic warrior, right? Just super wealthy, macho king. And yet Jesus didn't look that way at all. Listen to some of the language that we can read about the prophesied King Jesus. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Judah will hold the royal scepter and his descendants will always rule. Nations will bring him tribute and bow in obedience before him. Um, When Jesus was born, how many nations did you remember showed up? Um, Isaiah 11, chapter 1, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. The royal line of David is like a tree that has been cut down, but just as new branches sprout from a stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. Uh, it, David was royalty. And when Jesus came to, was born, he wasn't born with the, all the greatest doctors around him and everything that a kingdom would have to offer. He was in this lowly stable. Second uh, Samuel chapter seven verse sixteen. Uh, this is what was said: uh, You will always have descendants, and I will make your kingdom last forever. Your dynasty will never end. Um, how about this? How does how does something keep going? How does the party never stop? Well, they never run out of money. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you you see the people are picturing Jesus would come, and he would be absolutely not only would he be loaded right financially. But he would be so powerful that his kingdom, literally, there would be no other place of rule that could overcome his power. And yet when Jesus came to the scene, he was a little bitty baby. Anybody could overcome this little baby. So how's he going to protect us? Um, Micah 5, chapter 5, verse 2 tells us that the people expected the, the Messiah, the son of David, to appear in Bethlehem, but they didn't appear. They didn't expect for, for Jesus to, be, to appear there kind of out of like uh, accident. I mean, the only reason they got to Bethlehem was because of the decree for the census. That's the only reason they got there. Um, although they expected um, Jesus to be held upon his arrival. They didn't expect shepherdly, how about this, shepherds and pagan magicians to welcome him while the religious leaders, the people that knew the law and everything about God's word, they didn't expect the know-it-alls to miss it. How did they miss it? They knew everything about the Bible. And yet these weirdos over here figured it out. 
I mean, in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, I mean, uh, his own parents, they didn't expect when he was a little boy um, to find him in the temple discussing theology with the rabbis. Years later, right, this, this carpenter dude um, out of this really little, no significant town, no one expected him to suddenly appear as an itinerant rabbi with a school of disciples comprised of fishermen, tax collectors, and zealots. The truth is, and I want you to hear me say this, to the world then, okay, Jesus was an, a walking, unmet expectation. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was a walking, unmet expectation. We see clearly in God's word how the children of Israel would have saw him coming, and it didn't come that way. Jesus didn't meet their expectation on his arrival. We see what the children of Israel expected. Can I just ask you this, and you just think about this just in your own self. What do you expect Jesus to be like when he comes? How do you expect him to enter into your life? How do you expect him to enter in your circumstances? How do you expect for him to intervene when times are tough? Because, listen to me very carefully, if you are looking for him in the wrong places in the wrong way, you may miss him. Jesus never really met the expectations the world had of him because the world expected God to move according to their plan. But God has always worked according to his plan. And because God didn't work to the plan of the world, so many in the world have never really received the gift that God was trying to give because they thought God would come in one way when he actually came in a different way. I wrote this question, I think it's down in your notes. I wonder how much we've missed in our life because God showed up in ways we unexpected. I, I wonder if the reason some of you haven't placed Jesus as your Lord and Savior is because he's really never met your expectations of what you thought he would do and be in your life. Um, maybe Jesus didn't save your husband or wife like you prayed for. Maybe uh, you still lost your child despite all of your prayers and pleas. Um, maybe you were let go of a job. Maybe you still have cancer. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you feel unhappy. Maybe it just, life just is not exactly at all how you thought it would be. Maybe you thought Thanksgiving was going to go great and somehow it seemed to just blow it at the end <laughs> and you don't know how to make of it. You know, there's a story, and I'm going to wrap up with this. There's a story in God's word about this guy that had unmet expectations of Jesus and yet as he leaned in, everything was changed. It's a story um, of Philip and Nathaniel. This is, we kind of read the story in John chapter one, verses 43 through 50. But uh, essentially Jesus sees Philip. He says, Philip, hey, come follow me. And Philip said, hey, before I do, let me go get my buddy and tell my buddy about what I'm doing. And this is what we read. Uh, Philip came to Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophet also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, just to show you that I was right on how everybody would have thought things would have been earlier, Literally, Nathaniel's response was, Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Can anything good come from that place? And I love what Philip's response was. Come and see. Come and see. 
As much as many of us love the things of Christmas, Christmas isn't about Santa Claus, watching Elf, and it's not even about family traditions. Christmas is about God sending us the best gift he had to offer, which is Jesus Christ. And in Luke 19, verse 10, uh, Luke is writing and quoting Jesus as Jesus is telling about the significance of his birth. And he says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is what I have to say to you if you are struggling, listen to me very carefully, with unmet expectations with Jesus. And to some degree, all of us are. Keep coming and seeing. Keep coming and watching. Maybe you're thinking, well, I got friends that are so confused and I'm trying to tell them about Jesus, but they're just so confused and I don't know always what to say. Listen, tell them to come and see. Just come. It's as simple as that. Come and see. Nathaniel showed up, leaned into Jesus, and Jesus did only what he could do. And as a result, Nathaniel declared, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And in other words, listen, Nathaniel got saved. You may not want Jesus to be the gift God gives you. But listen to me very carefully. Jesus is the only gift that you can get that gives salvation. Do you realize there's a lot of things that you can't do for your family? There's a lot of stuff we can do around the holiday season. Put up decorations, go visit friends, buy gifts. Um, We can pray. We can worship. We can cry. We can laugh. But listen, nobody can save themselves or their family. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Even when it's hard to believe. Listen to me. Nathaniel leaned into Jesus because the urging of his friend Philip. And so as your friend, don't let your unmet expectations of Jesus keep you from trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior. As your friend, don't let your confusion of God's plan keep you from all that God is trying to give you. As your friend, listen to me very carefully, don't allow your mind to convince you that because things don't make sense, God's not good and working on your behalf. Um, There's a lot of things you can want for Christmas this year. But truly, The only thing that saves, the best gift we could ever receive, God gave us in his son, Jesus. Jesus may not be the gift you want, but he is a gift we all need. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We just thank you for this time and your grace and your mercy. And uh, God, truly, you, in your miraculous, mysterious ways, Lord, you know what we need. And sometimes, Lord, um, even though we don't understand what we need, you give us what we need. And Lord, as a result, we can look back and see just how good and faithful you are. And so God, I, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to always provide what we need so that we can be everything and do everything and become everything that you've said that we could be and become. Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, church family, it's oftentimes hard to figure out how do, do we respond to a message like this. You can go ahead and stand. We're about to sing. And um, here's, here's my word to us is um, the religious elite, many people, thousands upon thousands, maybe millions upon millions, they, they all missed it. They all missed Jesus because God moved in ways they didn't expect. 
And maybe you came today and not knowing what to expect. And I just want to say this to you. Don't let today be the day you miss Jesus. How are you going to respond? Um, Vic and I are here. We'd love for you to come forward. We'd love to pray for you to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're thinking, I, I, need, to, I need to make this place my, my home church. I, I, I need to be a member here. We, we'd love for you to come forward and tell us that and we'd help you out in that. Maybe you think, hey, I, I, I need prayer because I've just been confused and I've been overwhelmed and, and I've been missing what God was trying to show me. And you don't want to miss what God is doing in your life right now. And we'd love to pray with you about that. Listen, by faith, we trust that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And by faith, we can expect and anticipate that the best is yet to come. Let's not miss it. Come as we sing. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.